0: I speak tonight for the God dignity damn. of man and the
1: destiny of man. <laughs> okay. There we are on a cold, wet, rainy morning here in the entertainment capital of Arizona, Maricopa. Arizona with the uh, the hardest break coming out of music in the history of Podcastville. You are listening to This American Podcast Comedy Edition on com, and I've got, a, um, I've got a whiz bang of a show for you right now. Coming up I do. I have uh, two guests today. Two. Count them. Two. Two guests. Um, and our first guest is going to be calling in in about 15 minutes and his name is Jeff Abigov. Uh, he is a celebrated television producer, scriptwriter, and now novelist. And we're going to be talking with him about his transition from producing top 10 television shows to writing uh, fast-selling novels. Fast-selling novels. So we're going to have him on in just a this, Here we go. We're calling him. I talked to him last night. And we knew that this was uh Hello? Hey, is this you?
0: It is. Wait, wait. Yes.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all persuasion, we have on the line with us uh, for the next um, several high-quality action impacted moments, uh, Mr. Jeff Abagov. How are you, Jeff?
0: Good, Tony. How are you?
1: Good. I, I need to... Um, I need to come clean with people right now and say for a long time when we first met, somehow, um, I have a, a bad habit of mispronouncing people's names, and I, I uh, forgive myself because my name is often mispronounced, but I pronounced your name Abra Gove and I don't know why. I, I don't know why I put an R in it, but there's no R in your name. No. There's no shame in your game. There's no R in your name.
0: There could be shave in my game. I'm not familiar with that expression. So no comments on that one, but there is no R in my name.
1: Okay. All right. Good. Well, we're glad to have you on. This is your um, third,
0: would you say, appearance? Yes, it's my third. Do I, I, do I get a special jacket?
1: No. You know what? Uh, you, you've, you've earned uh, 250 more tokens. Uh, so if you go into the prize room right now, you can get a pack of chewing gum. But um, if you save up all your tokens, you might be able to get that uh, big, cool plastic car on the very high top shelf.
0: Could you just mail me the gum? We, uh, um, uh,
1: you know, when we we're not allowed franking privileges here uh, at this American okay. podcast. So, uh, uh, so let the listeners know. You and I are friends, and we talk frequently. But today, I thought it'd be cool to have you on the podcast to talk about what you've done and what you're doing. So, tell people a little bit about your career and how you started.
0: Uh, most of my career has been um, in writing and producing sitcoms. I began on Cheers, was a, began as a freelance, and then ended up a staff writer, and then ended up a story editor. Um, I've written for um, Golden Girls. Um, I, my first job as a produ- writer-producer was Roseanne, the original. It's now important to point that out. Never used to be, but it is now. Um, Roseanne and uh, I ran a show called Rock and a show called Grace Under Fire and um, was co-exec producer on Two and a Half Men for a few years. And since then, I've been writing bu- I uh, Well, I wouldn't say left sitcoms. But I took a break from sitcoms, and I'm writing novels, science fiction novels.
1: So let me ask you a question. I have been told, and uh, so I have it on good authority, but the authority may be incorrect, that you you mentioned several titles, story editor, co-executive producer, but that they all basically mean, except for showrunner, and even that title as well,
0: that it really means writer. Is that correct? Yes, it's like different ranks. It's like saying... To use like a military analogy. Yeah. A captain and a sergeant are both soldiers. Uh-huh. So it's kind of it refers to ranks. So, um, when I was starting, staff writer is was kind of entry level. I believe now they start people at story editor, but I'm not sure of that. Um, but yeah, they're like they're like ranks.
1: So if you're the story editor, are you the one who's then and I think I know the answer, but uh, are, you the one, are you the one who's then getting the story, once they go, here's the story, and you're going, all right, we're getting rid of page five? No. No.
0: I think a long time ago, like in the dawn of television, um, when the person, went, <laughs> before what I call credit inflation, Um, when the top guy who was a businessman, producer, was the only one called producer who wasn't a writer. And I think back then the head writer would have been called story editor. But then there was this kind of inflation where I guess at some point the head writer said, well, I should be called producer. And they probably said, I'm just speculating here, but they probably said, okay, we'll call you producer instead of giving you a raise <laughs> and ah. then later on the producer said i should be called executive producer etc cetera, etc cetera. so everyone kind of like kind of moved up in title
1: now the showrunner though is that when somebody and the showrunner was a um it was there was a term i started hearing i'm gonna say 20 25 years ago but it, it was it was not the term that you heard or i hadn't heard prior to that all of a sudden it was. Well, he, he, can he run a show? He runs a show, showrunner. Is that a different job than story editor, co-executive producer, writer?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, the showrunner is equivalent to uh, the director in a movie. The director in a movie, it, the movie is his vision. Everyone's there to support and help him achieve his vision. Um, there might be studios or, you know, money people money producers, you know, giving him input that he doesn't want. But ultimately, a movie is the director's vision and a TV show is the showrunner's vision. The term probably came up because, okay, the highest title is executive producer, but that could be anything. That could be when it's a small company, the owners will take executive producer credit. Um, Sometimes a star's manager Will say, "Hey, you want my client? You want my star? I want to be called executive producer." So the term there could, "the term executive producer" could mean so many different things. So the term "showrunner," which isn't a credit, a title, or a credit you'll see on screen, no. was just to say, "Okay, there's six executive producers. Who's really running things?"
1: Okay. All right. So so then so then let me ask you this. So then I also see created by. Now, and I, and I heard a story that um, there's some guys who've created the show, and once they've created it after the pilot, are never involved, but then get paid throughout the history of the show. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Well, Created By is actually one of the few titles that actually means what it sounds like. <laughs> um, it's the person who wrote the pilot. And sometimes if they're... What will happen when... Somebody who's not ready to run a show, write um, um, to pilot that the network's like and pick it up, they'll hire someone who didn't create. Well, first of all, most of the time, um, the person who created the show is um, an approved showrunner. But in the times when they're not, another showrunner is brought in to run things. And sometimes they don't get along. Yeah,
1: I've, uh, um, we've read about those things. We've heard about those things. So, but is it, is it true? I, I saw, um, was it Larry Charles? I saw an interview with Larry Charles once where they pointed out the number of uh, sitcoms he had been the director on the first episode, and then someone said, and so you get paid for every episode, even though he only directed the pilot and then moved on. Is that true, or was I drunk?
0: Uh, I think both.
1: Okay, all right, good. <laughs> good,
0: good, good. <laughs> um... <laughs> Now, now, I mean, it, it, it's there's it's um, uh, partly negotiated. Pa- I don't know it as well on the DGA side, the Directors Guild side. Yeah. But um, on the writers, yes, if you write, if you create a show, and then are fired from it, you still get you know uh, royalty for having created it.
1: All right, Good. So you could have, you could create you know, you create like three shows and then uh, move to the beach, and um, which you help, by the way, move to the beach, um, and yes, then eat lobster all the time and wear, um, wear, uh, uh, wear long shorts and no shirt and listen to uh, surf music. Is that, cru- is that true?
0: That uh, me personally? No, not you. But a, a guy could. <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't know if you are. I don't know yes. if you're eating lobster every day. You, you could be eating lobster every day.
0: Um, yeah, but I think you could do that without creating three shows.
1: Well, you got to do, you got to do something to eat lobster every day. I mean,
0: maybe move to Maine instead of Southern California beaches, but lobster's cheaper. But if that's your thing in life, yeah.
1: You know, lobster's probably not that (laughs) big a deal in Maine. It's like, it's like cattle in Montana. People want a hamburger go, I guess we're in Montana. But you could probably just lobster for, you know, lunch lobster. There's probably lunch lobster. In Maine, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a it's a it's a cheesier lobster. Um, I don't want to get way way late in lobster land. The last time I did that, it, it totally totally made the whole show all cattywampus.
0: So you here. And by the way, uh, let me let me just interject on the last point because I don't know. Maybe I misread your tone. That about somehow. Lobster? <laughs> no, about um, created by royalties. Yeah, it's some. Here's the thing. So somebody comes up with an idea. Writes a script, it becomes a big thing, and someone is making going to be making money off that. Typically, yes. it's the owners of the thing, but shouldn't the person who actually invented it have a piece of that too, whether they're there or not? Oh, I so, agree. I mean, the they money, should. The money is not coming off the consumer. The money is coming off the owner. No, so, just wanted to point that out.
1: No, I you know I agree one hundred percent. I mean. I think uh, one of the great travesties in, in the music business was and they've corrected to some degree I believe over the years but that you had people who wrote songs uh, you had a situation in the music business of course where a guy who would own the studio a guy come and go I, I wrote a song and and the, and would be fairly naive and the uh, studio owner would go okay but um I want to you know co-writing credit and the guy okay and so then the guy who owned the studio uh was give it a co-writing credit, was able to get paid, and that eventually maybe the writer ran into hard times and would sell off all of his rights for a few thousand dollars and then the song would become a uh, a classic recorded by hundreds of people and generate millions of dollars and the guy wouldn't participate. So, I mean, could I, can you do that? And so if I... Let's say that I wrote a pilot and people go, we like the pilot and the pilot got made and it became, you know, it became, you know, uh, uh, you know it became, uh, uh, you know, Larry's in charge. So... um. And then, could i would it be possible for someone to put pressure on me to sell my rights to that show and
0: no i, I don't even think you're allowed yeah. to sell your rights I, I I don't think there's a vehicle for that.
1: Well, that's good um
0: I, I don't know. I've never heard of that
1: in the, but, in, the um, music, in the music industry it was it was really common so well
0: uh, what can what can happen and sometimes does happen. If, was, let's say, a person who's not a showrunner says um, has a great idea, or even a bad idea that people think is great, yeah. <laughs> um, which um, has an idea, and the network say, yes, we want to do it, um, but you have to get a showrunner attached. Now, the showrunner might come in and say, because um, I'll only do it if I share in the writer credit, which means the created by credit. Uh-huh. So that could happen. Okay, all right. And that's not necessarily unfair, because unlike your music thing, when the showrunner is brought in, he will be doing a lot of writing and rewriting.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. He'll be, he'll be participating in that creative process where, you know, someone who... Were, you know, there was an individual who wrote, owned the song Happy Birthday, that individual didn't write that song, uh, did not create that song, never recorded the song, but somehow uh, had copyrighted the song or gotten a hold of the copyright, and for many years... The reason that you didn't hear Happy Birthday sung on uh, uh, TV shows and movies is because the price of it was so prohibitive that producers go, all right, we'll, we'll just have them sing some other song instead of Happy Birthday.
0: Yeah, but, typically for he's a jolly good fellow.
1: Yeah, which, you know, yeah.
0: people, people thought
1: it was weird, but they got used to just like for years, phone numbers on any TV or movie show so go, what's the number? And they go, it's 555-1212. Five, 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 one, two, one, two. And there is no 555 five, five prefix.
0: Right, that's why they use it. Yeah. That's precisely why they use it, because I think at one point, let's say, I'm not sure if this was the show, but an episode of I Love Lucy, um, she's giving her phone number to someone, and it was just like a random phone number um, that the writer made up. And like that, um, America believed, oh, I have Lucy's phone number. And the person (laughs) who actually had that phone number was bombarded with calls for Lucy. Yeah. Um, And the happy birthday song, when uh, I've heard the same story, but a piece of the beginning you missed. So, yes, some person wrote it, didn't copyright it, and um, two women heard it Uh. and said, um, Oh, I found out it's not copyrighted, and they just went and copyrighted it.
1: Ah. You know, I had a. they
0: They pulled the fast one.
1: I had a friend who, and we're gonna we're gonna transi- transition into your um, your uh your your new gig as a novelist in a moment. But okay. I had a friend who's uh used to sit around and think up eight hundred like eight hundred lawyer, eight hundred boxer, eight hundred shoe salesman, and figure out what the uh, numbers would be, and would buy those phone numbers because you could buy phone numbers. And he oh, did. that's clever. So let's say that you then decided to become a shoe salesman, and you wanted to have the number for your business one eight hundred shoes. And then you told the phone company you wanted to go, we're well, sorry, you can't buy it from us. Somebody bought it. And you had to go to him and negotiate. And uh, right. he put a kid through college like that.
0: So. Someone, someone short that on um, uh, a movie I wrote and directed called The Mating Habits of the Earthbound Human, yeah. which you could find on Amazon or Netflix, starring David Hyde Pierce and Carmen Electra. A really funny movie, by the way. But the story I'm telling is... Um, so we had a website, um, matinghabits.com, and we had matinghabits.com, matinghabits.net, all of them. And for a reason I don't really remember, um, we just were a little slow to renew one year. Yeah. we like, And we're supposed to renew it, and we were like two, three weeks late. And when we went to renew it, found out that someone had snuck in and got it. Yeah, yeah. And, and they got it, and we had to contact them, and they said, um, you know, we want this much money. We'll sell it to you for this much money. And we went, like, screw you. And we just made it meeting-habits.com. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, people started catching on to doing that as well. It's You know, it's like my, my business is comedy schools, plural.com, because when I first, in, in the early days, went to my comedy Somebody had purchased it. I wonder if I put an S on it. But you know, those things aren't even as important now in the world of Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Um, websites are really secondary, just like phone numbers are now not that big a deal anymore. You know, I mean, for a long time, the song 8675309, Jenny Jenny, uh, the person who owned that got into it, and then someone bought it and used it for some purpose, but now can't give it away. Times change, Jeff. Times change, and they do, and people change their gigs too. So you have changed your gig from someone who worked in the world of television writing and producing to novelist. Yes, and you've now written two novels and a short story that does fairly well on uh, Amazon, as I understand it.
0: Yes, the, so, the novels are available in ebook and print. Um, the short story is only available in um, e electronic.
1: All right, you know, you know. Here, here's what I've got. What, how much time do I have, Cheryl? I've got, I got five minutes. So we're going to have to have you back without a doubt. Uh, first off, okay, let's me, get to plugging. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, that's what I'm that's what I'm getting to. Uh, if you could tap one minute or less about transitioning and the pluses and minuses and what you like and don't like about it from going from television Um, to novelist?
0: The the transition was gradual. The first was um, the short story. I just had a cool, what I thought was a cool idea. Didn't know what it was. Didn't know if I could write prose. So I figured, try it. And I really enjoyed it and put it online. And people seemed to be enjoying it. Uh, And so it's like, hey, I'm going to try writing a book. (laughs) So it was like very... um, Casual. It wasn't like a big monumental decision. It just kind of happened.
1: In the short story, I believe I read it. Tell me about the short story, real quick.
0: It's the autobiography of At, as That's in the right. At symbol, and it's At, the symbol, telling his life story. I think um, the first line is, um, "Everything was simple before they invented the typewriter." <laughs> And um, it's his life, what he was like, you know, how he was an important symbol in the days when farming was a thing, because they'd take five bushels of hay at five cents a bushel. He was used all the time. And um, then the typewriter came along, and it follows his life. It's a rags-to-riches story.
1: You know, I remember reading it. I remember... um I remember when you wrote it and you called me and said, I wrote this thing, will you read it and tell me what you think? And I read it and I found it to be, um, uh, and this is not a phrase that it is part of my normal lexicon, but it's totally, I found it utterly delightful. Uh, Thank you. And, uh, and I, I believe I told you uh, as much. And uh, I'm glad that it's still out there and that people are buying it. So you went from, I'm writing television, all right, now I'm not, because like any gig in the entertainment industry, some people can luck out, they walk into a set of Bonanza on the first day and they're with that show for 20 years but in right. most of the entertainment business even if it's something successful you're with it two, three, four, five years then you have to get another job mm-hmm. and then right. at this point instead of going alright I'm going to go out and get another job you said I'm going to run uh, see what I can do just writing solo Yeah. and you wrote a short story and then that worked out you enjoyed that I'm assuming yes you I did it. okay and then you decided to write novels.
0: Yeah, well, then I said, oh, could I, okay, I did this pretty good, let's see, and I said was grammatically incorrect on purpose, for the record, I did this pretty good, let's see if I could do another, a full one. And, and then I wrote zombies ahead. versus, then I wrote zombies versus aliens versus vampires versus dinosaurs.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is a fun book, now, in, in, in the light, in, in being absolutely honest, and I'm absolutely honest, except when I say I'm absolutely honest. Um, <laughs> uh, I've read uh, uh, quite a few excerpts from the book, and it's a cool book. you know. And, it, and what I like about it, I like the title, tells you what it is about. This is, yes. this is flat out what it's about. So that book did well, and then instead of resting on your laurels, instead of putting on a Hawaiian shirt and eating lobster at the beach and listening to surf music, you, workaholic that you are, Decided to write another like novel. Like the what did I am? Workaholic. Uh, okay. You're kind of a workaholic who's really, really, really productive with your time.
0: I'm actually the worst of all combinations. I'm a very lazy workaholic.
1: Yes. I, you know what? But a workaholic nonetheless. You, you don't walk okay. around with that driven thing on you like, we've got to get this
0: moving, damn it. But you get the work done. I think, I think once I start... Um, like, because I procrastinate a lot. Although when I'm procrastinating, one might say I'm still working because it's kind of, I'm thinking about it. Um, but once I actually say, okay, I'm going to start, I just really want to be done with it. So that's my driving force. Ah.
1: And tell it, the, the, the title of your second novel is? Time Travel for Love
0: and Profit.
1: See, I like that because, not you know what, you can also grab the self-help crowd with that.
0: <laughs> I could, maybe I am, but I think they'd be a little disappointed.
1: <laughs> and as you know, uh, sitting next to me uh, here, producing the show today, you have uh, your number one fan, uh, Shirley Visick. Uh, Read your uh, novels and waxes poetic about them to me, to the point of uh, a slight tinge of jealousy. So uh, I go, <laughs> I go. What about what about this Dick joke I wrote at breakfast? So it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, look, <laughs> here's the issue. I've got to go, and I didn't think it would go this fast, this fun, but it has gone this fast and has been this much fun. Um, I won't have you on next week because I'll be seeing you most likely, at least part of the time, in Los Angeles. But the week after, we've got to have you back on because I want to do a deeper dive into both of these novels and your short story. Can we do that two
0: weeks from today? Yes. Let me, can I quickly read the blurb for Time Travel for Love and Profit? You may. A time tra- And I'm reading it instead of saying it because I would put so much effort into writing this that yeah. I'm not going to say it as well. A time travel story, a crime story, a paranormal story, and a love story all rolled into one. TJ is a seasoned ex-con, a thief by trade, a quick-witted rogue, and a lovable scoundrel by nature. After parole from San Quentin, he manages to get his hands on a time machine built into an Apple Watch, and goes back (laughs) to 1932 to invest $10,000 in IBM with the intent of returning home to collect his millions. But his plan is made complicated when he comes face-to-face with the beautiful woman who has haunted his dreams since his childhood."
1: See, that's that's a hell of a blurb. We like that. Now, how can we find uh, both of these novels?
0: On Amazon. Right now, they're exclusively on Amazon. Type in either the title or my name Jeff, A B U G O V. All right, we're going to. And they'll pop up.
1: All right, we're going to put all that up on our Facebook and Twitter and uh, uh, Instagram. Uh, We're going to let people know about it. Uh, Thank you, man, for taking this time. Actually, I could email you links. Email us links. We'll put them all up. Okay, let people know about it. These are fun reads, ladies and gentlemen. Highly recommend it in the Visic household. Jeff, thanks a lot. I'll talk to you later on today. And then uh, two weeks from today, we want to have you back on. Take a deeper dive. into this. All right, thank you very much, Jeff Abigail. Thanks. thanks. Bye, everyone.
0: Bye.
1: You know, the cool thing about Jeff is uh, I've been, I've known him. Hey. Uh, 15 years. 15 years. When I met him, I had no idea that he had been involved in uh, television at all. I met him through uh, different social circles entirely. You know? And he was kind of a quiet guy. He was between jobs. He went on to a, another a very successful job uh, uh, shortly thereafter. And then I knew him when he left that job. And we remained friends, oddly enough, throughout the whole time without having... A large amount of things in common, life-wise, life choices-wise, et cetera. But cetera. we? I just love talking to him. And fortunately for me, he loves talking to me after talking to me for 15 years. Uh, we enjoy each other's company immensely. Um, he's someone I can talk to about a wide range of subjects, from the silliest of subjects to the most profound. He can make the things that he's interested in that I'm not interested in interesting to me and uh, um, he's just a funny, funny guy. And, um, uh, and you know what? And for someone who is as accomplished as he is, and he's an accomplished guy, he does not act or look or even seem to think or appear like someone like, oh, look at me, I'm so accomplished. I mean, he's written and been involved with uh, uh, things that are permanently etched on the American public's mind, you know, with the um, uh, television shows, That he has uh, produced big, uh, big shows. Um, I mentioned him and uh, a kid show he was involved with for a while. And one of the students in my class went, oh, who doesn't love that show? And when I say kids in my class, I'm talking about someone in their 20s. Because the show was big 10, 11 years ago. And it's funny because his book, book, uh, Time Travel for Love and Profit, is about time travel. And it seemed like I met him just yesterday. But I've known the guy for 15 years. Uh, if you're looking for interesting stuff to read, and if you want to hear some interesting uh, stuff more about Jeff and transitioning from, and how you be successful, I think within Jeff's story, flat out, is how one achieves success. Now, he downplays it. I'm a lazy workaholic. you know, And he's not necessarily a workaholic. He does the task that is required when it is necessary to accomplish the task. But... Um, He's not—he's not like a miserable workaholic. Um, if you want to um, figure out the key to success, and I, our keys, there are several keys. There's several doors to success, and several different keys. Uh, he is certainly one who um, um, was able to use those keys and those doors in, in a, uh, a very positive way. Great guy. Great guy. Great novelist. Great short story writer. You know, you could be lazy as hell and just um uh, you know, if you wanted to experience his writing, just Google um Roseanne or Grace Under Fire or any shows and his name and see which episodes he was involved with and go, oh, our two and a half men. And go, oh, he he wrote this. And then you can, of course, experience his writing, although it's collaborative writing then. But I recommend you get his book. Especially, ladies and gentlemen, you should go to Amazon right now and download time travel for love and profit and his first book Zom- zavid. zavid zombies, zombies aliens versus vampires, versus vampires versus dinosaurs now you know I don't write I can't keep a I can't keep a thought totally in my head um this this is the weekend man to download those books I would think I think on this weekend I would download those books cuz you can uh, snuggle up you know, put on your warm, fuzzy bunny slippers. Uh, you know what? We were looking for that. We were looking for Zavid uh, not too long ago. And if you, if you ever, uh, if you watch sometimes, some, I didn't do it today, but oftentimes before I do the podcast, we do something called The Show Before the Show on uh, Facebook Live just to um, let people know that we're going on the air. Um, this room is chock full of books, books and albums. There's CDs, uh, paperbacks, hardbacks, everywhere. Every type of book imaginable. And this isn't even our entire book collection, combined uh, book collection of Shirley and I. Encyclopedias, history, picture books, autobiographies of great men, rock stars, everywhere. And we cannot find Zavit. Zombies versus aliens versus vampires versus dinosaurs. We may have lent it to someone to read. This is the weekend fart. So like, and by the way, you're up, if you're up in the high country of Arizona listening right now and you're snowed in and um, you're starting to get all like Stephen Kingish, <laughs> you know, going a little nutty uh, and you have an internet connection, go to Amazon, go to his name, Jeff Abagov, a Jeff, J E F F Abagov, a B U G O V. And uh, you'll be able to, um, you'll be able to download these books. That's a cool thing. Like in it, in a recent time, if you got snowed in someplace and you had no books up in your cabin or you only had three books and you read them that 's what you were stuck with. But through the miracle of the internet, ladies and people, you can download the sum total of all the world 's knowledge, written material, and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, recorded video material too but you know on a winter day you want to read a book a winter's day shirley's now looking through the uh the uh, bookshelves for it uh you can download his book and you know what and they're fun reads and you'll be glad that you did it okie doke ladies and gentlemen Uh, what i'd like to do now and i'm telling my producer more than you because she's looking for books but i'm going to require her to um help me out i'm going to take a brief break and when we come back, uh, we're going to tell you more fun stuff coming up this weekend. We've got more fun things on the air. You're listening to This American Podcast Comedy Edition on Comedy ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com.